Welcome to the show, everybody. This week, we are going to be learning how to turn our computer's webcam into a accessibility device mm-hmm. to allow us to control our mouse with our face. So if you have a webcam, a Linux computer, and a face, you'd be good to go. <laughs> Stick around. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category5.tv streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters, cat5.tv slash IAIB. Welcome to the show, everybody. That makes me think about all of the platforms that Category 5 is on. Um, I was just looking at our subscribe page the other day okay and realize like we have not only do we have rss feeds but we're on things like stitcher and itunes and obviously youtube and all of these platforms that we don't always mention Mm -hmm. but it's like do a search and you may be surprised to find us on spotify or uh, various platforms so uh, i'm going to work on that because there are some that uh, that we need to add there but if we are missing from your favorite podcast aggregator we are on Podcast Addict as well, uh, and they've got a great support team. Oh, yeah, I like Podcast Addict. Me too, me yes. too. Um, so, you know, if, if we're not on your platform, let us know, and, uh, and we'll reach out to them and make sure that uh, the Category 5 TV and its bunch of shows ends up there. Endpoint Security Podcast launched a new episode just nice. over the past couple of weeks, and that's doing really well. Starting to gain some momentum with that show, mm-hmm. which is really exciting because it's teaching business people and IT people uh, the, the fundamentals about cybersecurity and, and protecting our businesses, protecting our people within the business, and, and customer data. Right. Those kinds of things. Just so paramount. I've had some fantastic guests on that show, and uh, I'd encourage you to check that out as well. Uh, and that's all available through our website. Good times. How's everybody doing? Great. Yes. Yes. Good. How are you? I'm. I'm good. Good. And you? I'm doing okay. Okay. Oh. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes' time, as the pain shoots up my spine. Uh oh. Yeah. I'll tell you all about it. But um, before we jump into it. Don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube. And when you do that, make sure you click that bell as well. That's going to give you that notification, which I noticed uh, when we went live tonight. Mm -hmm. Um, I looked at my phone, and it actually said, not only did it say Category 5 TV is live, but it gave me a button that would allow me to automatically start watching. Oh, nice. Just like that. That's good. So I don't know if that's new or, you know, usually I'm live, so I don't pull my phone out and look right. when, I, when I flip the switch. But Thank maybe you that's, for a, that. that's a cool feature. <laughs> it realizes that you're not watching on your phone. And it's like, hey, yes. you need to. Exactly. So by hitting that bell, it is going to alert you not only when we're live, but also when we uh, release pre recorded videos exactly. and things like that. Do keep in mind, we have two main YouTube channels. Now we've got several uh, because we have various shows. But Category 5 Technology TV has Category 5 Technology TV 
obviously. Yeah. Yes, but that's like the one hour, one and a half hour show. So for those who don't want to sit through the entire length of the show, you can go to uh, linuxtechshow.com. That will take you to our kind of daughter channel, which is all the edited down clips yeah, so from like Category little 5. snippets, like 10 minutes yeah. long stuff. stuff yeah, like some are like three minutes and some are 18, but it's never going to be like a full length show. It's just the, the main feature. So I edit those out and put those up on linuxtechshow.com. Um, so do keep that in mind. If you want to receive the live notification, that happens on Category 5 Technology TV uh, versus linuxtechshow.com, which is just the edited down clips that you're going to see after the fact. So if you're not getting your notification, even though you're subscribed, maybe that's why. All right. Ready to get into it? Yes. Indeed. I have been in an unbelievable amount of pain over the past, four, well, 13 days and counting. 13? 13. 13. I last nothing about pain last week. No, two, yeah, last week I, I kind of mentioned, I don't know if it was during the show or just behind the scenes. I think it was behind the scenes. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Just mentioned. I don't listen behind the scenes, so but, it's all good. But the past week has been excruciating. So I suffer from uh, ulnar nerve entrapment, which has flared up. And okay. those who are aware of what that means, I've got a nerve, and so do you, that goes <laughs> down uh, your arm. And if you go f repetitive stress injury causes it to swell and when that happens the pain is unbelievable so i'm actually wearing a brace today and i may not be able to use my right arm quite as much as i normally would and and i might flinch a little bit as i do use my right arm but that's what i've been going through for the past 13 days mm -hmm. and it's there it comes and so goes but it, it it comes in waves and it's been really really bad you do such a good job of not being in pain visually <laughs> while you're Thank doing you. a show. I realize that you you're are so close suffering. to me that you probably see the little bit of a like shakiness the beads to of me. Sweat. Yeah, I've got like a little bit of a like a uh, like nerve pains are like real flinches oh. and and oh. spasms and my back has been spasming. Uh, my my right pec has been like pulling a Terry Crews, oh. but unintentionally, no control over that. Just. <laughs> but that's what I've been going through. And, and those of us who work in an office environment where you're sitting at a desk all the time. Now, I'm not saying it's okay for me to work as hard as I have in the past few weeks that caused this injury. That I'm learning to say, I, I have to learn to say no. Yes. We kind of have to learn to say no when, when we've got those kinds of deadlines that are, or at least say, you know, maybe next week. Uh, I was facing a really strong deadline that I, I promised the customer and I, I really wanted to achieve that but uh, other things happened a server went down on Monday that I had to deal with and other things took place throughout the course of the week and, and so I was behind schedule and I had to catch up um, over the course of two weeks I put in 80 hours on this one project plus working full-time plus doing everything else that I do that's a lot so it was really tough um, and I didn't realize that I was hurting myself and I did. So, so if you're that person who's like sitting at your desk and thinking, no, I can, I can just get through the pain for just, uh, you might have to feel that pain for the next few weeks. So, mm -hmm. so please be careful. Uh, but my whole reason for explaining this to you is, okay, for one thing, yeah, Robbie's human too. And, and so you know, we, we all go through the same kind of things that you go through in your office environment and, and with, with life in general. But, um, but I had to figure out, okay, I, I still have to go to work every day. Mm -hmm. I still have to sit at my desk and I still have to program websites and do sales and do support and everything else and answer tickets. And um, how can I do that? 
It's been tough. Voice. I'll admit the paint. Voice automate some of that stuff. Um, like a headset, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you get into some expensive stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the pain has has also caused it to be really hard to focus and concentrate. So yeah. if I seem to drift during the show tonight, just kind of hey, take over for me, will you? <laughs> I, I feel a spasm <laughs> in the back of my arm happening as well. So you I mentioned think you ought to be really happy that it's me standing on your right side, so I will not like poke you. If yeah. you start <laughs> Jeff to would be off. rough. Yeah, he's yeah. rough and tumble. How's it going, buddy? How did I get that? It's like, oh, just the guy is going to hurt Robbie. No, no compassion at all. That's not true. I tease. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, so if I if I lose my train of thought, just know that that's why that that's happening tonight. But you mentioned you mentioned that. Maybe you could use a headset, or maybe you could use a device or an accessibility device. And yep. yeah, absolutely. And and on Category Five Technology TV, we have in in fact looked at some of, some said devices. Oh, cool. One of them was a sensor that you put above your monitor, and then you wear a special baseball cap. And that baseball cap has a sensor dot that the sensor would read and would be able to track your movement of your head and things like that. But they get expensive. You can yeah. get like uh, things that you put on your head that that have sensors that you know you can control that way. And and I'm by no means in the worst state. Uh, you know there are people that are well worse off than I am in the state that I'm in right now. But through trying to figure out how can I still continue to work, I thought this would make a really good demonstration because of what I had to go through. So, as I mentioned, we've looked at some technology in the past. And the uh, TLDR, here's what we're getting into. We looked at uh, a program called eViacam um, a long time ago. So, enable Viacam is what it stands for. And it's a free tool for Linux that allows you to control your mouse cursor using your facial movements. So oh. Im- assuming that y- you, you have the capability of moving your head f- right. reasonably precisely, so you know, you can't, y- it probably won't work for somebody who has um, mobility issues in their neck, those kinds of things, or certainly if you have pain in your neck, it's probably not a good idea. But as a free option for accessibility, not necessarily to replace my mouse, but to add some accessibility as an alternative to my mouse. Mm-hmm. So with the mouse still on my desk, I can forget about the mouse for a few minutes, put my arm at my side and let it rest, and control my mouse with my face. Okay. Imagine huh. if that was possible. But unfortunately, that demonstration was so old. Like, we're going back many, many years here. 2012 is when we did that what? particular demonstration. What? And it was groundbreaking technology at the time, but unfortunately, it... I tried to install it, and it didn't work. Okay. So shall we get into it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, again, TLDR, I got it to work, and I'm going to show you how to do it tonight. Okay? Wow. So let's, uh, let's jump right into it. I'm going to show you what happens. So first of all, the way that I normally would install this, and I'm doing this on Linux Mint 19, is I'd bring up my package manager and just do a search for uh, eViacam. And you'll see the... The package comes up there, and I can mark it for installation and apply. So this is going to download this through the interwebs and install it on my uh, on my Linux Mint system. So keep in mind, this is a modern Linux Mint system, not something like Ubuntu from 2012. And so, this, but this is the 2012 software. 
this is the old software, yeah, right? Okay. Now they've kept up development, but let's see what happens. So I'm going to click, it's finished installing. I'm going to click on my, my applications menu and type in eVIA cam and click on it. And I would expect that it would come up, but it's not actually doing anything. Hmm. So, you know, maybe it's not loaded yet or something like that. So let's try again and click on it. I mean, it looks like it installed, but it's not actually doing a darned thing. Right. Which is not very helpful for me. So one way we can find out what's going on with the program is to jump into our terminal and then type in the command that you would use to launch it, which is eviacam. And do you see what happened there? Uh, it's looking for GTK2, uh, 3, but it's got GTK2 symbols installed on, on this version of Linux Mint. So what I actually need to do is install the proper drivers, and it, it can be very, very onerous. It can be really tough to figure out what do I need to install mm -hmm. now. Right. So through this process, I decided, hey, I'll write an installer. So get it working for myself, but then release this so that you can install this on your Linux Mint 19 system as well, if this would be helpful for you. And again, this is not necessarily a replacement for your mouse, but maybe you know somebody or maybe you sometimes need a break and you just need to be able to put your hands down and forget about the mouse for a little bit. And this may be the answer for you. Hmm. So resuming there, I'm going to jump into my terminal uh, first, before I um, do anything further, I'm going to uninstall the version from the repository. So again, back into Synaptic Package Manager, do a search and unmark it, mark for complete removal, and apply that. So this is just going to rip out all of the stuff that it had installed before and clean things up. I'm not going to use a flat pack. I'm not going to use snaps. I'm going to use good old Bosch. <laughs> so... We're gonna, I've got git installed, you're gonna need that, apt install git. But with that installed, let's jump into slash temp and git clone my repository, which is https colon slash slash github.com slash cat5tv slash eviacam and hit enter. That's gonna clone the software that I created for you, cd eviacam. And now just simply sudo dot slash install dot sh. And I'm going to let that run and explain to you what's happening here as I um, kind of speed that up for the sake of TV so it wouldn't run this fast. It takes about 15 minutes to set up, so, but you can kind of get an impression as to how much junk is actually needed in order to make this go. Oh, my goodness. So you would have had to go through this process all by your lonesome. Uh, there it is. WX widgets is what we need to replace, so we're actually compiling a new version of WX widgets after removing the included version on Mint 19 because we need to have that GTK3 extension uh, included. So, and then we're downloading and installing eviacam. This is it compiles it. Like, this is all a bunch wow. of gibberish, I know, right? This is intense. <laughs> so what the script does, and if you look at the install.sh file, is it removes some of the stuff that is, uh, that is incompatible. Um, full disclosure or disclaimer, um, it could technically break things. It's probably not going to, but uh, understand what's happening here. We're removing WX widgets and installing a new version that has GTK3. Uh, and apparently it's done. So it says the command to run eviacam is eviacam. Phew. Just like that. <laughs> Just like that, right? <laughs> so let's try running the command 
So okay. remember, what it's done is it's removed a couple of things. It's installed a whole bunch of dependencies, things that are required by eViacam in order to operate and by WX widgets in order to be compiled. Right. And then it's compiled a custom version just for you, just for your Linux Mint system. I'm going to jump back to my terminal window here. Uh, just bring back up. I'm just going to minimize a couple of things there and jump back onto my laptop. And if I type eViacam, it says not found user slash bin slash eviacam. Uh, let's see if I can make that a little bit. I can't make that a little bigger for you. I'm going to tell you verbally what I'm typing. So I'm going to type which eviacam, which will show me the actual location of eviacam, which is user local bin eviacam, which is apparently not in my path, but that's fine. I can just I can just run that command. And if all goes well, so as soon as I hit enter, we should see my webcam. Now keep in mind, oh, you okay. do require having a webcam in order to do this. But most of us, like the laptop has one installed. Um, you may have one kicking around, and if it's reasonably good quality, it should work for you. Um, with eViacam running, now you can see it's actually tracking my face. See that? See the box around my face? And we've got some, some green dots that are happening that are kind of tracking things there. That is cool. Hmm. Huh. I want to take it to the next level and actually show you how this works. But I think before we do that, we've got to take a break. So right after that. Uh, right after that. Stick around. We're actually going to configure it with the wizard, and then we're going to give it a couple of tests and see, like, can this really help? Uh, so that I don't have to put my hand on my mouse. I think it's going to work because nothing ever breaks when you do it. When, it's l when we're on live TV, right. compiling <laughs> custom applications, uh -huh. we're doing things now. that shouldn't be possible. Yeah. Right. yeah, all right. Stick around. For a limited time, get your hands on limited edition shirts from the Category 5 TV network. These high-quality shirts are manufactured by Teespring, a fundraising website, and your purchase will help support the shows we produce. Get yours today and send us your pictures to be featured on the corresponding show. Visit cap5.tv shirts to support us and get your official network shirt today. cap5.tv shirts. Welcome back to Category 5 Technology TV. We have been learning how to hack 2012. Not quite. Oh, yeah? Time travel? <laughs> Make it go on 2019 distros? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No, uh, so we, we've been ta uh, talking about eViacam. Yeah. That was originally a 2012 software for Linux. Well, it's been around for a long yes, time, that's Jeff. that's when it first came out. We, uh, to clarify, we did a demonstration of it back in 2012, you remember. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it worked great back then, but it yeah. didn't work on a modern Linux operating system. Right, and so you had to make some tweaks, download a bunch of... Ah, I just wrote an installer script. <laughs> Just oh, wrote a script that made it go. Right, fair enough. Yeah. Now, uh, on the break, there was two questions that popped up in oh, okay. the chat room. Mm -hmm. uh, well, one was more so of a uh, comment, but the one question was from Ugaraba. says, what is the application tracking? Is it the face and the eyes? The nipples. Because <laughs> on your screen, you've got <laughs> the, the red box that 
picks up your face, yes. and then there's the green dots for the eyes. Okay, so let's actually get in there and, and see what it's seeing. Do you see that? So it's figuring out what is a face. So it's putting dots around my nose. It's putting dots on my eyes. Do you see the green dots? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So it's tracking all kinds of stuff. All right. And now the other comment was from Solbu. And so he was watching the compiling. And he said the only thing he didn't like is that it was done in root. Is there another way to do it without being in root? Uh, you could modify the install.sh file so that just the make install process happens as root. Um, but there are a couple of things that have to be root. Obviously, apt install, uh, which you can change to sudo if you want uh, within the script. Also, apt um, remove to get rid of WX widgets has to be sudo. Uh, and, of course, make install. So both of those um, tools, WX widgets and eViacam, are compiled, which does not require uh, root. Uh, and it's done in a, a temp folder, so it, has, it, it is able to access that even as your non-root user. But that final step, the make install, requires being able to access um, system components. And, of course, um, that requires root. Right. Okay. So you can modify that. I, I, I see a, another issue that you, you, know, you do raise is that I am accidentally running as root. I could um, – no, I'm not. I'm actually not running as root. I thought I was. I don't know if you see that. Uh, I'm running as Robbie. Oh. I, had, I had run the installer as, as sudo. Right. Oh. Sudo dot slash install. I didn't do a sudo su. So I'm actually running eViacam as a non-root user. So to answer your question, yes, you could hack that up. Feel free to do a PR if you prefer. It's up to you. But if you look at the script, the only things that are happening that are as root that shouldn't necessarily be as root is compiling the software within a slash TMP folder. Okay. So it, there's no harm, no foul. You can look at the source code and see exactly what's happening there. All right. Let's see it. Okay. So you want to actually get in and, and see how this works. Okay. Yes. So <clears throat> keeping in mind... I want to deprecate the need for my mouse, or at least supplement the need for my mouse. I'm going to click Next, and it says, okay, yeah, it detected the integrated camera. That's the built-in one, and I also tested this with a Microsoft Life Cam, and it worked flawlessly. Uh, okay, so locate face automatically. Yeah, of course. Uh, disable eViacam if no face is found. I like to turn that on so that if I walk away from my desk, it's going to turn off until I turn it back on again. That's kind of cool. Uh, that way, if someone sits down at my desk, it doesn't start moving to their face. Right. Okay. Next up, perform assisted calibration. Yeah, let's do that uh, because I want it to be as accurate as possible. Move your head left and right. So left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. How long do you have to left, move left and right? <laughs> right. I don't know, Jeff. Keep I'm just doing, doing what I'm told here. Come on. Okay. Left. Oh, there oh. you go. Oh, up and, up down. and down. Up and down. Up and down. That this hurts is, to look down. This is why you don't want to have any neck problems. Yeah. I feel like this is like a 19. Oh, okay. Now look. Look at what's happening now. Oh, look at oh that. sweet. Okay. Do you click so the blinker? It says hover. Move your head to see how it works, which I'm doing. So if I move my head... And then it, it disappeared, and now I've lost control, and I have to actually use my mouse again. I was enjoying that. That was fun. Um, so, next. Oh, well, enable pointer control. Let's set up our axis speed. So this is all being controlled with my face. So if I go to the left, I'm going to zoom out a little bit so that you can see the full window here. I'm going to go to my right. Um, 
and I'm just moving my head here. Um, I feel like that's pretty natural. Like it's, it's following, but I don't like that. I can't, Oh, I can stand. Oh, neat. I can kind of like stand up. (laughs) It might be because it's looking up at me, right? but that, um, that could be a little bit faster. So I'm going to increase that to 14 for looking up and down. Yeah, that feels much nicer. Left and right feels pretty good. That, that I don't like having to look up like that. So I can adjust that by just kind of adjusting my axis speed. Now, the other thing to keep in mind is when I look at dead center of the screen, and I'm not sure that, don't worry about the little staticky things there. I don't know what that is. But um, when I look dead center of the screen, mm-hmm. I can use the touchpad on my laptop or your actual physical mouse to center the cursor while I'm looking dead center. So now uh, it's basically calibrated. Because if my mouse is over here, and then I look at the screen, and then I go left, I'm going to have to go left, 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 right? right? If I instead look dead center of the screen, and then center it with my mouse or with my cursor, uh, with the touchpad, then I feel like, hey, this is much, this much more natural. It's good. I'm going to hover over next, and I'm not clicking anything. I'm just hovering because it waits for a, a moment to see if I've dwelled. See that? Dwell click, default. Gesture click is also available, though I've not figured it out. And I'm getting some anomalies on the screen. I don't, I've never had that happen yet. Um, and so it may be just the laptop and the way that I've got that connected. So just know that that anomaly, you see that flickering? That is not something that I've encountered yet, but this is the first time that I've plugged in the HDMI to the laptop. Could it also be because of the calibration that you're doing? No, I think it's like a a video driver issue because I've got HDMI output going to our broadcast server. Um, So now I can hover over next and just wait, and it clicked. Okay, so now I can go run this wizard at startup. Click. Start eViacam at user login click. Uh, impossible to get permissions for file. Uh, no such file or directory. Oh. Well, okay. it, oh, because it doesn't have a launcher. That's fine. Enable eViacam at startup. Good. Okay, finish. Again, I'm controlling that 100% exclusively with my face. Hands-free. Yeah, hands-free. So my hands are up here, folks. Um, nobody is, nobody's messing around. This is not a gimmick. Yeah. So, you know, folks are... I don't where, even know where your mouse is. Uh, it's just a touchpad, just a touchpad oh, on the gotcha. computer. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to, with my hands free, I'm just going to like try a couple of things. Oh, I see uh, a, like a window up here that allows me to change the click action, which is kind of cool. And I'm going to probably try that. I'm going to go down and, and click on the menu by just hovering my face. And then let's go on to, let's say, the internet, uh, Chrome. So I've kind of gotten used to, now you've lost me, uh, I wonder if I can get over, can I, with my face, actually get over to the restore button, and now, I'm how not sure. How do you sure, move the window? Yeah, I'm not sure how to move it, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to touch my mouse button, and then move okay. it with my face. Okay? So I'm, I'm using the hovering, the dwell to click, which I don't particularly like myself, so I'm going to hover over pause. There we go. So now, as I move around, because what I find happens in that instance is that I'm clicking on stuff as I'm reading websites. Because when when you dwell to read something, all of a sudden you start clicking Uh with your face, right? 
So what I prefer, now I have a trackpad at my desk, so I actually turn it sideways and use my left hand to just tap the, the mouse button. So I don't have to use the trackball or anything, I just use my face, and I control it with that way, but then I click with my left hand. This is great! This instance, so what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to um, tap the mouse button on my laptop. So again, with my left hand, which is not affected by the ulnar nerve entrapment, I'm going to just put my hand over top of that mouse button. So now, I can look around. And I can move the window, see what I'm doing there with my head. It's a very subtle gesture, but I can, you know, go like that. And let's, let's actually do some stuff. Can I get rid of this window yeah. here? Uh, yes, I'm going to hover my head right there and I click, and that gets rid of that. Okay. Can I make a request? You can, can absolutely can make a request. Can you type something? Can you pull up a keyboard and type something? You could if you wanted to use an on-screen keyboard. Okay. Um, okay. I don't... I, I'm not at that point. Like, right. I can still use my hands okay. I just want to get away from using the mouse. Right. And an on-screen keyboard could be pretty well, annoying. Well, I'm just wondering, so like, yeah. the, the scope of where you could take this technology. Sure. Oh, you right? could do all that stuff. You could, if you have real issues with, like, that extend beyond, I can still use my mouse. It just really hurts. So I right. and And, you know, I'm told I really need to let this rest for three weeks. So... I, I try to stay away from the mouse if I can. Right. So this gives me an opportunity to only use my left hand, and then I'll type with my left hand, but sometimes I'll bring my right huh. hand in and I'll start typing as well. Okay. So now, what, oh, yes, if, Jeff. what if you throw a second face on the screen? Does it mess it up? Uh, we could always try that, Jeff. I mean, it, typically you're, you're sitting at your desk with, with yourself, right? So here's me controlling. Yeah. Does it pick you up? No. No. So now if I'm I get out of the frame, ignored. can you control it now? Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. Whoa. You're not calibrated. See, it was, it was not, off to the right. I'm definitely not calibrated. So use so because this is your first time ever doing it, okay. Jeff, use the mouse to put it in the center while you look into the center. All right. Hold on. Let so, me actually. Well, you're moving your head at the same I time, know, and but that's I'm, a mouse. That's what I'm saying. I want to actually be centered. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Wow. So that... Uh, that switches to a different user very easily. Yeah. But it now did get, not... Now okay. get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and the calibration was pretty simple, right? So yeah. I just used my touchpad. So let's... Uh, okay, so I brought up Chrome. Mm -hmm. um, let's bring up my website. So, oh, I've probably already got it here. So category5.tv. Remember, I'm just using my left hand. My right hand is completely free. Okay? So I'm just clicking... Oh, that's the forum. So um, do I have home? Yes. Beautiful. See how how easy it was for me to actually point with my head to the home button and that's not a small like that's not a big button no. right okay so we're live on the air uh let's let's actually use the search feature so i'm going to bring up search and i'm going to type e cam on our website because that's how you can find this video once it goes live uh, and let's actually use that scroll bar on the right hand side and see if okay. i can actually manage oh, yeah. and i'm looking down that is great so, see this and there's that episode. Yeah, that's the episode, episode 259 from September 2000, uh, 2012. Wow. So, wow. Okay, so I'm able to click around pretty accurately. Is that Sasha's first show? It says introducing Sasha. Yeah, yeah. Your first I show. I don't remember my first wow. show. Well, that's now so you know. Funny. It now was know. via camp. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, and now you have the answer to that. So, w I was impressed with the touch screen when you used your touch to click the X. 
yeah. because that takes some precision. The X is pretty small. Do you think I can click the X and close Chrome hmm. with my face? Now, I'm going to click with my <laughs> finger, my left hand, <laughs> but can I do this with my face? So, yes, yes, I can, as I <laughs> nod, and the cursor goes all over the place. That's another thing to, to mention. I'm going to just show you this really, really quickly. Let's say I look way up because, oh, there's a bird up there. Oh, it right? recentered, actually. It, it now it, the calibration's a little bit off. Um, so what I can actually do is I can look up until it hits the, s the edge of the screen, look down till it hits the edge of the screen, look left and look right, and, and it will basically center itself as well. So now when I look dead at the center of the screen, the mouse cursor is basically in the center of the screen. It's amazing. When I move to the left, it's moving with me. And, and it's actually it gives the sense that it's following my eyes because it's so incredibly accurate. Now, if you go closer, it's free. If you go closer to your webcam, would your face movements be smaller to impact the movement? Like I'm, sure. I'm thinking of somebody who maybe has limited neck mobility. If they so were if closer, I was right in here? Yeah. And so what is the mobility like here? So it's much more sensitive, but I could adjust that. Remember my right. sensitivity mm -hmm. settings? So I could adjust that. And it is, right now I've got it set for me standing back here. Right. Because that's how I calibrated it. Okay. But so if you did have a webcam closer to your face, you could do it with limited movement. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. And, and it's, very, it's very sensitive. So I'm going to just barely move my head. Watch the mouse cursor. I'm going to look. Uh, I'm going to point to the number one there that's in green. Are you ready? Okay. So watch how sensitive this is. Okay. So I'm just barely moving there, huh. and I can get down to that. See that? Okay, so let's click the X. Hello. Easy. Yeah, okay, so let's bring up Calc. So where would I find that? Office, LibreOffice Calc. Okay, this is similar to me wanting you to use a, a keyboard, you know. Sure, yeah, but here I am controlling mm -hmm. this, and I promise you, I'm not touching the touchpad. No gimmicks, no tricks. I am only controlling this with my face, but clicking the mouse button on the laptop with my left hand. So here I am in calc. So, and, and this is being controlled with my face. I'm just going to calibrate by looking left and looking right, looking up, looking down. And let's click on, give me a cell number that's on the screen. So like K10, I sure. think that would be, well, here's K and there's, that's 910. No, 11 there. Uh, let's do one a little closer to here so I can see the edge. So B what? B5. B5? Okay. There you go. So I'm doing Bingo. that with my face. So it's that simple. I can, I can click with my, f my left finger and drag, click around. And I'm not having any trouble getting my, you know, no pun intended, but my head around this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having any trouble with the controls, mm -hmm. I did turn off the dwell clicking because I find that it's easier to just use my left hand to click. Right. But other than that, beautiful. There I you have it, folks. I That's cannot believe cool. that it was my first show. There you go. Now you know, right? Yeah. That's this is not going to be my last show. Like, I, I was feel about like, yeah. to say, don't make <laughs> this your last. <laughs> there we are. Now, I mean, obviously we're not set up for this, but it makes me wonder, could you use this for you know, other purposes, like... Uh, yes. Like, 
I don't know, like some sort of <laughs> you know simple gaming or something like as a first person I'd shooter. So. Or like I don't. Well, like, this I don't, is I don't know how right. like point and click <laughs> point and click games. Yes, can you? Yeah, I don't okay. see why not. But realistically, this is just like controls for your computer to to help with your day to day. Yeah. Can, okay. Can you click by winking? No. But yeah. what you can do is a left click is a tap your head to the left. A right click is a tap your head to the right. Huh. A double click is a tap up. Uh, Down is some... Uh, I don't know. Space. I never got that working, personally. <laughs> I, but I didn't, I didn't need it. Right. Is there... Let's, let's actually bring that... Oh, and I clicked Wait, on the wrong thing. Now, in my new line of work, I have encountered people with very significant Dwell mobility clear. issues. And... Now I'm just going to be talking this up all the time. Yeah. You you get into the to the documentation for that. There is that capability, but I didn't yeah. I didn't like it or find right. it helpful in my case because I'm using the click button. But yeah, um, it, there is the feature to use that like quick look to the left to left click, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you have it. That is Eviacam running cool. on Linux Mint 19 in 2019. So my system, if I did an apt upgrade, an apt up, dist upgrade, e- everything's current. I'm running the current kernel and it's up to date. And we're now running Eviacam on this system using cool. that install script. So. Bananas. And just so I'm clear, I didn't create Eviacam. I didn't do anything more than look through some of the issues that were posted on their GitHub, see w- how other people have fixed this, mm-hmm. and then just made it easier for you so that if you want to use this, you don't have to do the same process. And maybe there's somebody out there who wants to use this um, and is not quite as technically savvy to follow those kinds of things. So, right. so it really helps. Now, thinking about what you said about, you know, this is your Linux Mint 19. Yeah. If you did a, because something had to change in order to make this happen, if two weeks down the road you do an update and an upgrade, is that going to undo that stuff? No. So it should all still be in place? The script removes the stuff that affects its functionality and replaces it with a, pre-com- with a custom compiled version. Right. So that GTK won't get 3. overwritten. No. no. Cool. No. It'd be good to go. Um, only f- a final note is that it, it's for Linux, as you're probably aware. Um, so, way to go, Linux. Yeah. You win again. That won't be a problem for any of us or Remember, it's, it's Linux. Updates don't generally break things, Jeff. That's true. Ha-ha. Although you did give a warning. <laughs> All the links are below. Yeah, that's just a caveat to, or a, a protection for myself. If that's it breaks, right. if it breaks your system, don't come running to me. That's right. Yeah, um, but uh, links are below. Uh, you can click uh, click around to to find your way to eViacam. Enjoy. We do have to head over to the newsroom. Sasha, you ready for us? Sure am. Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category 5.TV newsroom. The UK taxman has fallen foul of the GDPR, agreeing to wipe 5 million voice recordings used to make biometric IDs. Did your Firefox browser break over the weekend? You're not alone. In fact, virtually everyone who uses Mozilla's popular browser encountered this issue, and we'll tell you why. On Tuesday, Google began rolling out a new feature that allows you to configure how long it can save data from all of the Google services you use, like Maps, Search, and everything you do online. And researchers have taken steps towards an iconic Star Trek medical device. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. 
This is the Category 5.TV Newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. Jeff Weston. Yaman. You're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? Just because Jeff is confused doesn't mean you have to be. Visit cat5.tv slash dreamhost to sign up for unlimited web hosting for your website with unlimited email accounts, MySQL databases, the latest version of PHP, WordPress, and more, and even a free domain name registration. It's less than $6 per month, so sign up today. cat5.tv slash dreamhost. Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're following this week. The UK taxman has fallen foul of the GDPR, agreeing to wipe 5 million voice recordings used to make biometric IDs. Yes, that's right. Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, a.k.a. the tax collector, has agreed to delete 5 million voice recordings that it used to create biometric IDs. The voice IDs were used to speed access to its phone lines, but were created before the implementation of the European General Data Protection Regulation and violated the tougher rules. HMRC will keep about 1.5 million voice IDs, which are in use, but delete around 5 million where explicit consent was not received and where those people had never used the system since creating the ID. It's actually some pretty cool tech. They had followed several banks and other organizations in using a My Voice is My Password system to identify account holders. It will continue to use the system, but in line with GDPR rules and its own published privacy policy. Chief Executive Sir Jonathan Thompson said in a letter that they will continue to use Voice ID because it is, quote, popular with our customers, is a more secure way of protecting customer data, and it enables us to get callers through to an advisor faster, end quote. I'm calling about my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Just let me talk to you about my taxes. So what? Somebody can, uh, maybe like a Trump... Um, impersonator? impersonator could actually get to the bottom of some, uh, some stuff. stuff. What yeah. happens if you, like, <laughs> that's so many, I mean, granted, they're getting rid of so many voice data files, but what happens if you sound just like somebody else? Sure. Do, can you? Like, I, I or know. is there, is it like fingerprints? Nobody knows. Is there, like, actually a, like, a subtle difference all the time? It must be there's an some, intonation difference. There's people that can rock some really good impressions. But yeah. what if your voice changes? What if, right? Like, I was just saying to Robbie that... When I wake up in the morning, I've got this great, deep <laughs> radio I've voice. I've been washing my hands so much that my fingerprint reader doesn't work on my phone anymore. So, what if you... What? Yeah, I've, like, washed my fingerprints to... They're too weak so now. So trained it. Dirty fingerprint? It's like that no, time I'm at the cottage. No, raised fingerprint, but I've washed them all off. Like I was fixing something at the cottage, and I got crazy glue on my fingers and couldn't unlock my phone for oh, a week. funny. <laughs> right. So, okay, so this can happen. What if your voice changes? Right? So like, like laryngitis when you're calling in? And it's yeah. Like, oh, no. Or, There's got to be an alternate way right? to authenticate. Or a burn or something, right? Like, something sure. can happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ugh, yeah, there must be an alternate authentication. There absolutely is. Yeah. This story is about the fact that they have to delete because they didn't get the consent. Like, you have to... Now, granted, all these people have not checked in with the service since. 
But like, what kind of impact is that going to have in the future if those people do happen to call in? Well, they'll have to wait in line to talk to an advisor. There you go. That's yeah. all. Or ent- enter a new voice print ID. Right. Because it's been deleted. Right. Which now they will get explicit consent. Correct, yeah. Right? Because, you know, a- after GDPR came into play, now they know, okay, we, we have to. And that's why they can keep the last $1.5 million. Yeah. Which is Because those ones is comply. It, is it really that bad to have somebody's voice on record? I guess maybe it is, but I wouldn't think I, it would be of concern. If it's, if it's an AI imprint of your voice, then could it not be used to then authenticate against other AIs? Uh-huh. You could like write a whole speech in Sasha voice. Chew on Send that. All my R's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did your Firefox browser break over the weekend? You're not alone. In fact, virtually everyone who uses Mozilla's popular browser encountered this issue, and we'll tell you why. On Friday, the expiration of a Mozilla certificate used to check the signatures of add-on codes in Firefox desktop and Android web browsers caused a nearly universal failure of Firefox plugins and extensions as browsers detected them as invalid and disabled them. Ouch. Yeah. The bug dubbed Armageddon 2.0 was addressed by a hotfix issue over the weekend and a new version of the browser has been pushed out. This isn't the first time this sort of thing has happened with Firefox. The original Armageddon happened almost exactly three years ago on May 2nd, 2016, when an expired certificate caused signature verification errors for add-ons. A patch was pushed out to most Firefox desktop users on May 5th. However, the fix does not help Firefox, ESR, or Android users. An update for those browsers is still in the works. For some users, the patch required them to change browser privacy and security settings before it can kick in. Because Mozilla is deploying the patch using Firefox's Studies system to rapidly deploy the patch. Studies is a system used by Firefox to deploy pre-released features to users before they're added to a release update. Some organizations and users may disable Studies because they introduce code that hasn't been tested fully and might send usage data back to Mozilla. But because of the speed with which Mozilla needed to deploy the certificate fix, it was pushed out with studies rather than as part of a browser update, which means users will have to at least temporarily re-enable studies to regain functionality. From the point of view of enabling studies, it could take up to six hours for the patch to be applied. So six hours after enabling studies. If you even catch it now, and then there's those of us, like I'm pretty tech savvy. I installed Chrome when it happened because I just, what's yeah. going on? LastPass isn't working. I can't get onto any websites. Yeah. Forget this. I had installed no problem. Chrome, installed LastPass, and that's all I, that's what's Did, on my computer now. You know what's What do odd? you use? I have Chrome and Firefox. Yeah. And I happen to be on both this weekend and had zero issue. Lucky you. Huh. You were offline. <laughs> you no, didn't get I was, the... I was, on, I was building website all weekend. I've had certificates uh, expire, yeah. and I've had to retroactively fix that. Huh. But I'm generally a pretty small player in the grand scheme of the interwebs. Now, Mozilla, not so much a small player. Right. So like one of the top two browsers in the universe. Mm-hmm. Like aliens use this stuff, folks. <laughs> so 
This kind of thing shouldn't happen. Twice. Twice. Happened twice. It just shouldn't happen. Ever. And I think that's probably the discussion that they're having around the boardroom table today. Somebody's in super trouble. <laughs> it just shouldn't happen. And it really it makes me feel less confident in the company. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, I also just want to say this whole studies thing reminds me of like Windows updates that can break <laughs> systems, right? <laughs> I just no. If it was thing. Windows updates, it would have bricked the system when it updated. That's yeah. This is an update to fix the system, right? But people have turned off this studies thing, mm-hmm. right? Specifically because they don't want Mozilla to collect their right. data and yes. do, do all you, this weird. The, yeah. The question stuff. is: Do you want to allow us to install test patches? Right? No. No. I want. No. I want the good stuff. Test the patches. Yeah, and then release then them. Then install them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. On Tuesday, Google began rolling out a new feature that allows you to configure how long it can save data from all of the Google services you use, like Maps, Search, and everything you do online. Until now, you had to manually go in and delete this data or turn it off entirely. But deleting it means Google doesn't always have enough information about you to make recommendations on what it thinks you'll like or where you might want to go. Now, you can tell Google to automatically delete personal information after three months or 18 months. Google's activity page says this, quote, The activity you keep can improve your experience anywhere you use your Google account. What you search, read, and watch can work together to help you to get things done faster, discover new content, and pick up where you left off, end quote. Google said during its event Tuesday that it will expand these controls to make them easier to find right inside its apps. But for now, the quickest and easiest way to manage your privacy is under data and personalization when you log into myaccount.google. You'll find the new feature under manage activity. Google said that it's also rolling out similar controls for how it tracks your location data. Some people may say, oh, but I don't want Google to track me. So, you know, why, why does it matter to me that Google needs to be able to make recommendations, right? Yeah. I, I personally, and I realize that I'm probably in the very strong minority on this one. Um, I love my, my search history being sure. remembered, my preferences being remembered. Mm-hmm. I rate places I've been and hope that Google will tell me places like it. And I love my location services on because sometimes I forget what I did yesterday and then my phone reminds me. That aside, <laughs> being able to look back at your history, being able to look at, uh, that's fantastic. And mm-hmm. maybe that's something you might want to opt out of. But keeping in mind that Part of what makes Google so great, so powerful, and dare I say so accurate is that it is able to learn from what you're looking for. And, and so we, we think in terms of advertising because that's the way the media slants it. Right. And, and we think, oh, but I don't want targeted advertising. I don't want those things. I don't want you to know more about me to be able to display ads. Well, right. when I search in Google, it also presents results systematically based upon what it thinks I'm probably looking for. Right. Right. So Search Engine Optimization 101 says, Java is the name of an island. 
So if I'm searching for vacation spots and I'm looking for um, a vacation home or, or a rental or something like that, mm-hmm. and I go into Google and I type in Java, now if it doesn't know anything about me, it's just going to give me a whole bunch of pages about coffee. Right. If it knows that I'm looking for a vacation hotspot, it may present me with this sweet little island. Right. Right. So this information is very, very helpful when it comes to the search engine standings and how things are presented to me within Google. Google for me is super smart and intuitive in that I'll search for a recipe one day mm-hmm. and three days later in my news feed, a whole bunch of different recipes will come up. I've made delicious dinners just based on the fact that Google's <laughs> like, Sash is kind of into cauliflower right now. There you Let's go. Send her some stuff. Yeah. What's I- in your fridge? <laughs> Right. Here you go. Here's some Four. recipes. It's delicious. Cauliflower. I took cauliflower, yeah. sliced it sideways. Yeah, I saw that. And I marinated it and brushed it with some nice, like I made my own marinade and everything. And I barbecued it. My. N- I also put a steak next to it. M- That's yeah. for me. That's for me. My new favorite is I take not cauliflower. I take this is ridiculous. the florets and I like I, I make like a flower water garlicky paste thing. Am I right? I brush the stuff on it, put it in the oven, then I bake it for about 20 minutes, and then I put hot sauce on it, bake it again for there another 20 go. minutes. It's kind of like cauliflower A little Tabasco. Super good. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Jeff wants to move on. <laughs> Researchers have taken steps towards an iconic Star Trek, Star Trek medical device. How have you been treating yourself lately? Any cuts or abrasions? Have you had to kiss any skin knees? Gotten a scratch from a temperamental cat? If you've had to reach for a bandage since the year began, don't worry, you're not alone. In fact, in 2018, the U.S. spent close to $774 million on self-sticking bandages of various kinds. Wow. And we needed them. Open wounds must be covered up so that they can heal properly. You don't want anything infecting the dermis. That's your skin while it grows a new layer to replace what was lost in injury. And that takes time. Obviously, a paper cut heals faster than a nasty slip of the knife while dicing veggies for dinner. And even that heals faster than a larger wound sustained in a high-impact accident. The larger the wound, the longer it takes to heal. If your skin is too damaged to heal by itself or with the aid of stitches, um, doctors might try taking a graft of healthy skin from another part of your body to replace the injured spot. But it's a painful process, leaving you with just that much more dermis to regrow. Taking healthy skin from somebody else isn't an option either. Your immune system, zealous defender that it is, might mistakenly treat the new graft as hostile and make you terribly sick as it tries to fight off the invader. Of course, in Star Trek's 24th century, any ship's sick bay, home medicine cabinet, or halfway decent field medical kit includes a trusty dermal regenerator. It's the ultimate point-and-click solution. Just aim it at the wound and turn it on, and its gentle beam of healing light magically closes the skin up. How, how does it do that? The name is a dead giveaway. A dermal regenerator seems to literally regenerate your dermis by prompt prompting new skin cells to grow in the beam's wake. It's the perfect solution. 
While you won't find the 24th century's answer to the Band-Aid in a drugstore near you anytime soon, we can at least see it in our long-term range sensors. Researchers at the Wake Forest Institute for Regenerative Medicine, led by assistant professor Sean Murphy, developed something that they call a mobile skin bioprinter in June 2018. The paper was just published in Nature's Journal Scientific Reports in February 2019. Let's say you've got a big bad scrape that needs healing and you call the Wake Forest team into action. First, they take a small sample of healthy skin from you and they put it into a jar where it can grow independent of your body. Once lab techs have a nice supply of healthy, happy skin cells, they mix them into a life-sustaining hydrogel and pour it into the bioprinter, which looks like a couple of microwaves combined with a 3D printing arm bolted to a rack on wheels. They roll it over to your bedside, where an attached device scans your scrape, getting a laser's eye view of all its contours and ridges. The machine proceeds to figure out exactly where and how to place layers of new cells so that they'll match the structure of the skin that was originally there. Once the scanning is done, the bioprinter's printing arm gets to work putting down the cells it was given layer by layer. Initial tests were highly encouraging. The bioprinter technique closes wounds faster, causes less puckering from, and from scarring, and generates new skin quicker. The next step for the Wake Forest team is to start clinical trials on humans. Wow. I don't want to be somebody who needs this, but right. I'm happy that it exists if I become somebody who needs it. Sounds like the future. It does. I mean, we've been printing body parts and organs for a little bit now like you know you've heard about uh you know um a heart i think yeah yeah yes. two years ago was 3d but that's like that's not bio like this that's is like, true this is bio like on no, I, your I get body that. so like, i mean this is totally a natural progression but what i what wasn't clear to me from the story is are we talking about like deep gouges that they're looking to fill in or just like, oh, I've, I've got like a boo-boo. A, like, I would say it, it probably does, like, epidermis, dermis, right? Like, probably not subcutaneous. Like, it's probably not regenerating fat, right? No, I would think so. So I mean, it's, it's just, just skin, like, Good, let the fat go. Like, yeah. <laughs> right? So I picture, like, a car when you get a scratch and you get the exact same color paint and you just kind of fill in, right? right. So if you have the exact same dermis yeah and it's a spray and they can just kind of spray it on and yeah and it it's is your, your skin. skin so they must use some sort of weird like stem cell situation to grow more skin maybe you think. What, what i'm wondering though is could this take on a cosmetic approach like i'm thinking of people who have had really bad car accidents or whatever oh that, why not yeah know, maybe are missing part of their face or something and it's like i struggle with this because of the way i look could you take that and go you know what we're gonna regrow that part of the face that like i would right. think I, like it sounds to me like a replacement for grafts right so so far could a graft could go that way it could go that way well i just i think to myself like when i was working at a restaurant there was a guy who was working in the kitchen and somehow he burnt his leg like his shin area and oh, the no. skin would never close up over it and they were mm. even putting layers oh. of silver on it to try and to foster some sort of regeneration and healing. I'm this sure sounds he's like, fine now. like the early 30s. Like, let's just like rub some mercury like they on put, that. So evidently, silver is a really good <laughs> healing thing, but they were really? putting like layers of this silver. I'm pretty sure that's a vampire bite right Anyhow, there. Anyhow, <laughs> right now, if that were to happen now and you were really close to the Wake Forest Institute, yes. 
a prime candidate because it's just skin. Like the skin on your shin is really thin. <laughs> so, right. wow. so you can just sure. print new skin. I love it. Think about an abrasion. That's a perfect example of a great starting point. Yeah. So like, ah, oh. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like that seems like Like, a practical thing to to expedite regrowth of of natural skin. Right. Because these are your skin cells being sprayed on. And the thing is, your skin is the first defense. Like it's a protective layer. Mm -hmm. So the sooner you can get that covered up, the better your chances are of not developing other complications medically. Something else getting in and causing an infection or anything else. Yeah. Way to go for Wake Forest Industries. You brought. Think of this moment 10 years from now when they absolutely revolutionize the world of medicine. Right. Sounds incredible. Um, let's get a real quick look at CoinGecko. Here's what the crypto market looked like as of 1800 hours Eastern time on Wednesday, March 8th, 2019. Bitcoin gained a lot. So if you invested mm-hmm. in Bitcoin this week, you're doing well. Um, gained $576.98 US in the past week alone. It's almost 10%, was it not? It's up from 53.39 all the way to 59.16. Okay, so yeah. doing quite well. Litecoin um, is up a little bit at 74.31. Ethereum at 169.24, gaining about $11. Monero is at $66.48 again, gaining. Now Now, the little guys have lost ever so slightly, and Stellite, as we used to know it, has renamed itself. So they found out Stellite is actually a trademarked name. So it is now called Torque. And when you hear Torque on the show, just remember that we are now talking about what was formerly known as Stellite. And they are sitting at 1.18 ten thousandths of a cent. Turtle Coin is at 1.14. Remember, if you're going to trade or do anything in the crypto market, remember that it is always volatile. And because the cryptocurrency market never closes, it could change overnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like the stock market that closes at you know 5 p.m. or whatever it is. Not it this. just keeps on going and things keep on changing. So do keep that in mind. Random side note. My neighbor's yes. dog is named Torque. Torque. Yes. I thought you were going to say crypto. That would no, have been awesome. would have been good too. Anyone, if you name your dog crypto, we will send you a gift. That's right. And probably a sticker or something. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Big thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category5.tv newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Rickman. And I'm Robbie Ferguson. And I'm Jeff Weston. We do have to take a really quick break, but if you have cast your ballot for a Kingston Data Traveler 2000, you may be our next winner, so don't go anywhere. Whether you shop on ThinkGeek, GearBest, B&H Photo Video, eBay, or Amazon, or even if you want a free trial of Audible, you'll find the best deals and support the shows we produce by simply visiting the shopping sites you already frequent by using the links on our website. Visit Category5.tv slash partners for the full and ever-growing list and help us create more free content like this show. Thank you for shopping with our partners, and thank you for watching. 
Welcome back to Category 5 Technology TV. We're just dealing with the giggles. Uh, lots of good stuff going on. Like the, commercial, the commercial breaks around here are much more fun for us. It's true. Yeah. It's true. But you've been waiting to find out about are you the winner of the Kingston Data Traveler 2000. I love these things uh, because it's an encrypted USB flash drive. And that means that your data is ah, safe. I got mine too. But typically, yeah, nice. Cheers. Uh, typically, uh, with an encrypted drive, you've got to install software, get it all configured, install your password. And then if you don't have the software, oh, you've lost your data and all that. No, this has got the built-in touchpad. So you just push the buttons, enter your passcode, it decrypts it, you plug it into your computer, and boom, you've got access to your files. But as soon as you unplug it, it re... It, well, it disables the fact that it's in, unencrypted, so it goes back into an encrypted state. So anyone else who plugs that into their computer can't access the files. Great if you are traveling with anything confidential, but it's also nice just to know that your data is safe. I've got pictures of my kids and things like that. I've got cryptocurrency keys, and they can be safe. Just don't forget your password. Don't forget your password. That's important. It's a backup of the backup. Remember yes. that. It's just one that you can take with you, and you no longer have to worry about, uh, about it. So, mm -hmm. uh, We have one of those to give away. Let's jump right into it, folks. Uh, if you cast your ballot, I hope that you win. And Michael, hey, Chad Baker. Um, Trevor. Lots of names this week, folks. When are we gonna get there? I like. Faster, faster, John. The ballots keep coming. Thanks for saying nice things about us, man. We'll call him Junior because his stand. It's flying by too fast. Thomas, <laughs> Mark. I feel like this is like Hooger, Hooger, <laughs> Peter. Hey, good luck, everybody. William, May. I feel like this is like an episode of Whopper Room. <laughs> I see, I see Richard. I see Richard. <laughs> Edwin. Oh my goodness, there's a ton of Williams! Enemies. Wow! Bob! Hey! Anybody else feeling motion sickness right right now? <laughs> I am. Oh. Etienne! Carla! And I saw Dennis there as well. Um, Chen! Michael! Alan! Peter! And we must be getting near the end. Don! Good luck, everybody. If you haven't seen your name yet, Scott and the winner this week of a Data Traveler 2000 is David Hartley. David, well congratulations, done. sir. Congratulations. You are the Indeed. proud owner of a Kingston Data Traveler 2000. David, all we need you to do is just simply send an email to contest at category5.tv with your shipping address so that I can send that out to you. And that's all that it takes. And if you don't, I get to keep it. Is that the rule? That's my rule. That sounds fair enough. <laughs> if we don't hear from you by, what time is it? 8.16? End so of the show. 8.17 p.m., then, uh, then that's, that's Jeff's. No, we're, we're kidding. Just mail us. <laughs> Email us. Let us know where to send it. Uh, that's all the time that we have this week, folks. It's been great having you here. Uh, thank you for your well wishes this week as well with, uh, with my injury. And uh, I'm hoping that next week I will be good to go. But that 
device, that setup that we looked at tonight has really, really been helpful for me, That's and I awesome. hope it helps you as well. Um, thank you also to those who have pitched in over the past uh, couple of weeks. We're working toward getting that server replaced, mm -hmm. and uh, it is um, it, we're working our way there. And every contribution brings us a little bit closer. Uh, we've got to get a broadcast server in place, and I'm hoping that we can do that within the next month or so. Um, so if you'd like to contribute, um, you can do that through Patreon. You can do that through donate.category5.tv to throw something in the tip jar. And uh, we are also on Twitter, if you want to find us there, at Category5TV. I'm personally on Twitter, at Robbie Ferguson, and I'm happy to follow you back. Uh, we're on YouTube, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Category5TV and LinuxTechShow.com. And uh, you can catch us on Roku, Kodi, Plex, uh, pretty much any player. We're on Spotify, on iTunes, on wherever you want to find us. Just do a quick little search and you'll find us. Uh, if you're not finding us on things like Plex, you can actually download the plugin on our GitHub at cat 5 uh, Cat5 TV on GitHub. So github.com slash Cat5 TV. Of course, just to make it easier for you, everything comes together on our main website at category5.tv and you'll be able to find all the links you're looking for or at least get into our community and ask some questions. We'll point you in the right uh, to the right place. Mm -hmm. Hope you have a wonderful week, everybody. See ya. Bye.